Good morning and welcome back to our Pacific Morning Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and thank you so much for your support. Thank you to all our viewers who are leaving a comment, sharing and even like liking our stuff. It's really bizarre to us. But on today's show, we have Isua who's back from hosting the All Blacks and coaching the All Blacks. Yeah. How was that? No. <laughs> I never want to see these All Blacks again. We're going to lose the Rugby World Cup, guys. Mm. But it's not my problem. This is what happens when I, I fed all the boys just Puaka, to be honest. Yeah. So that training was... Uh... That training was more of a training the stomach. Right, than right. Than anything else. And good to be back. Good, good to be to back. See you. Thank good you to see you Thank you for holding down the fort. Always, always. Um, thank you, Ryan, for... Oh. Guys, Ryan's single. So... My mate. <laughs> Otherwise, at 35, we're both getting married and... Well... Isol's going to get a lot of people in trouble, but that's your sports for this morning. And now welcome back to the Pacific Morning Show. On today's show, we I'm are sorry, so guys. excited because we have an amazing, amazing, amazing guest. I am personally a fangirl. I have been low-key stalking her all over Facebook and Instagram, just following her journey. Amy, the Samoan scientist, welcome to our show this morning. Amy, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay. Thank you so much for coming on and... We're about to deep dive into a lot of really cool stuff. Yes. A lot of really cool stuff. It makes me hungry. <coughs> so Amy's PhD is looking to investigate Samoan traditional food to determine whether it can prevent Samoan women in New Zealand from developing type 2 diabetes. Uh, she's currently looking for 200 Samoan women aged from the ages 18 to 90 years old to partake in her study. The first method is a Tylenol method, and the second method is a metabolic checkup. So tell us, how has that been for you, um, rounding up those women? Yeah, the PhD journey has been a lot. Um, and so this year we are trying to recruit Samoan women to help us understand more about the Samoan traditional diet, because I feel like our ancestors already knew that knowledge in the 17 and 1800s, they lived off the land, they relied on the sea for their food, they had to tend to their plantations like the galo, breadfruit, yam, coconut. And so I'm wanting to kind of go back in time and see what our ancestors ate so that we can use that knowledge today to help address diabetes in Samoan women. Man. I wish I was a Samoan woman so I can partake in your research. <laughs> and also, what's such an important research to study, like going back to our own ways of living and eating? That's super exciting. But before we deep dive, deep, deep dive, we're going to get into our uh, usual morning show first segment. Well, talk, talk of the day. Talk of the day. Drama of the day. <laughs> what's Man. been going on? What's been going on? Well, I was on the internet yeah. uh, recently. While I was coaching the All Blacks. Right, right. And I realized there's quite a bit of hoopla. There was a bit of a kerfuffle. There's a ruckus caused. <laughs> I know I'm talking like this. Um, a little bit of drama caused by um, the casting of... Uh, sorry, I want to I get her name right in case I... In case I... You know, English is my second language. Mm. Um, and her name isn't in English... Mm. Um, well, the second half of her name, um, of casting of Sydney Angudong, yeah, Angudong. Let me look her up. As um, Lilo's older sister, Nani, in the live action adaptation of Lilo and Stitch. So Lilo's older sister. Yeah. Nani. My future ex-wife, Nani. Yeah. My beautiful honey. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and most of it is because even though she is Hawaiian, but because she's fierce and white passing, right? And a lot of people are like, look, but she, but Nani's quite brown, and these guys are casting this, you know, white passing islander in the film, and it just doesn't compute, and it's just like you know the typical whitewashing of roles in Hollywood. Oh, mate, Hollywood's been whitewashed since the Stone Ages, mate. But I'm not saying that it's not valid for us to have a conversation. <laughs> but Nani, it says here, Sydney 
Agudong is an actress, singer, and professional songwriter born and raised on the island of Kauai. Hawaii. So she was born and raised there. What's the problem? She's not. She's not darker skinned? Yeah, people are saying, yeah, she's not darker skinned. Then. Right. I'm like, all right. I'm willing to give the movie a chance, though. Mm. What do you What do you reckon? Yeah, I was just thinking, it's also, <clears throat> it depends if she can act, you know? Yeah. So she, she may be able to do the job better than others because it's not just on how they look. So she <clears throat> may be really good fit for the role. And they're yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's cool. But yeah, you are right. A lot of roles have been whitewashed in Hollywood. So mm. I think that's why people lashed out because they're like squinting and looking at the situation like, here we go again. Like this may be another whitewashing of the this, love. Yeah, yeah, this might be another. Uh, what is it? Gods of Egypt. Oh, <laughs> or, or Noah. Terrible <laughs> films. And I love theology and the Bible and those just mm. terrible films, yeah. guys. Guys. Yeah. Noah is Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have received a message from the creator. <laughs> yeah, so like I've I've decided to do a little bit of fan casting myself. Cool. I mean then there's also the Moana yes. live action remake where we're gonna see the water bending of Moana come to life. That's gonna be interesting. Um mm. so can I just share Let's some do of it, my, let's do it. My ideas oh. for who I would cast. So guys, uh, we're going to be discussing Esau's list of people he wants casted on Lilo and Stitch and yeah. also the Moana live the action. Moana live action. And we'll go around too and we'll see who is fitting for these roles. Because I don't have a life. Get it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Lilo, I actually don't have anyone mm. because I reckon there's so many little Hawaiian girls who are veterans at White Sunday who will do that role justice. And I don't know. Put out an open cast, guys. Yeah. Uh, Disney, and we'll do it. Uh, I'll be there. I'll audition too. Um, <laughs> I'd be really good as well. Um, yeah. For Nani, I'm gonna. Um, I'll, I'll cast Veronica Pomeye. Can't get it. Have you heard of Veronica Pomeye? No. She is a. Oh, I'll let the, her husband introduce her. Sorry. Veronica's like. We're gonna bring up some photos, so you know what. She's a she's the first ever uh, Tongan Polynesian uh, Sports Illustrated oh. swim, swimsuit model, and um, yeah, she's just cool. And I reckon she she'd be great as Nani. She's got the body of it too, man. Yeah, Nani was thick. That's that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, for Stitch, I would cast Andy Circus. Uh, he was he was Gollum, and was it Caesar? He was Caesar in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was Caesar, and I love Planet of the Apes. Yeah, great Gollum as well. Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> so Andy Circus is just made to be hiding in plain sight, unfortunately. But he's so good. Mm. Um, Doctor Jumba, I'm gonna cast myself. <laughs> Obvious nice. reasons, uh, even though I can't do a cool accent. Yeah. Uh, Pleakley, I want to cast Alan Tudyk. Who's Pleakley? Pleakley's the alien with two tongues. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what's it, was it like four legs or something? Yeah. Right, right. I, lo- I love Pleakley. Mm. And, and the, one IA. Yeah, he's messed up. Uh, and Gantu, I'm going to have the voice actor for Gantu, Kevin Michael Richardson. Be a, If you look at him and you hear his voice, you're just like, why am I going to cast someone else? Um, Agent Bubbles, I'll have Chris Judge. Oh, yo. From uh, Stargate. Um, and just have him, instead of yelling boy, just yell, Stitch. The whole time. Because <laughs> he's Kratos. <laughs> Um, and for David, uh, Nani, my beautiful honey's on-screen boy mate, uh, Isla Taylor Willie from uh, Hawaii Five-0, or Kalani Rob from, um, what is it, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Oh, Taylor Willie's cool. Oh yeah, he's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall too. Yeah, he's cool. I just saw his photo now. Yeah. This is, he's oh. a sumo wrestler, right? Okay. I think I that would be such a cute couple. Him and Veronica Bormier. 
Nah, that should be <laughs> Why would you say this? <laughs> no, because you're the one that goes to them like, this is your thing. <laughs> I am uh, gonna cry. Backfired. <laughs> nah, Taylor Woolley would actually look, no, like on a serious level though, I would love to see this on a screen. I should direct the film. <laughs> right now. Uh, if you're gonna go, if you guys are gonna get like Taika or someone to direct it, now you should get me. Yep. Wolf Gout. <laughs> Shout out to our Gout brothers and yeah. sisters. We are thinking of you in this time of transitioning into winter. And I will, and I will just quickly run through my Moana cast as well. Yes, oh, yeah. so we can move on. Can I add my one if I have one? Yeah. Okay, go. Uh, for Moana, I'm still gonna stick with Auli. Yeah, oh, yo. she's good. Yeah. yeah. Moana, I am I feel like Brianna Fuhn would make Brianna a mean Fuhn. one. Yeah. Oh, yes. She would make a mean Moana. A one. Yeah. yeah. Who would you cast as Moana, Amy? I quite like the the what Ali? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm. I think she suited it really well. Yeah. yeah. She's great. Uh for Maui, I'm either gonna cast John Tui or Fasitua Mosa. Mm. Um Fasitua Mosa would be really good. I know, right? He's yeah. he's so great. He, he's the one who does the voices for the Auckland trains. On the trains? Yeah, for the wow. trains. Like, you have arrived. <laughs> Kingsland Station. Please have your hop cards yeah. ready. Yeah, that's fussy. That's fussy, yeah. That's so cool. That's a flex. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't speak in reading in Legend of Baron Toa, which is offensive. Yeah, he but, was also in Legend of Baron Toa, yeah. yeah. But who would you cast as, as Maui? Maui? David Toa. With a wig. David, David, champ. That's who I would. Can you imagine David Tua? What can I say? (laughs) 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 He will pull it off, man. He will pull it off. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh who, who would you do? You have anyone you'd cast no, on as Maui? I don't have anyone, but I'd love to see David Tua. Yeah. And I would just make it. Yeah, David Tua <laughs> would be great. Oh. Uh, for the chief, I'm sticking with Tim, with Uncle Tim, Timura oh, Morrison. Yeah. Oh, he'd make Agreed. a good one. Daddy Boba Fett. Wait, wasn't he a voice actor on Moana though? Yeah, he yes. was a voice oh, actor. Okay, yeah. jokes. Yeah. Man, I need to do my homework. Sorry. Oh, for I don't have one. Sorry, huh? I don't have one. You don't have one for the chief? No, I don't. You should cast Mata Nanai. Ooh. <laughs> Shout out to the boss. I should walk in and be like, there's an opportunity waiting for you. <laughs> I haven't actually thought of it. Yeah. Do you know if you, anyone you would cast as the chief? Timur Morrison. I, I oh, Timur Morrison. Who would you cast? Oh, I haven't thought about it. No idea. That's hard. Uh, for Sina... Moana's mom, I will cast Mia Blake. She's in The Tattooist. She's the one who gets the haunted tattoo. Is that the one? Yeah. Let me have a look. She looked, isn't Balangi though, in the movie? She's Tongan. How dare you? <laughs> I did not That's know that. offensive. You're right. She does look Balangi in the movie. Oh, But she's Tongan. So, um, oh, so here. Mia Blake as this girl? Mia Blake. Oh, Mia Blake. Sorry. <laughs> I'll send you this first. Yeah, I, I, I see you pull up a Palangi lady. I'm like, what? Yep. <laughs> I think that's what I came up with when I searched in there. Mia. M I A. E O. M. This is her. Oh, yes. No, that's that's what I saw. Yeah. She does look Palangi. Gosh, what? Man, am I going to get cancelled on Twitter? I feel like I'm going to get cancelled on Twitter for this fan casting. Right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Rus, rus. All these Twitter people can cancel themselves. <laughs> I, uh, I might get cancelled for some of my activities on Twitter. But <laughs> whatever I say on Twitter is not a reflection of my uh, employees or whoever, uh, of my employers and all these uh, viewpoints are my own. <laughs> that disclaimer, eh? <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, yeah, who would you cla- cast as the mum? I actually don't know. I have no idea. Am I just casting myself? <coughs> who would you cast? I was thinking Twila. Twila Blakely? Oh, Blakely yeah. she'd be a cool one. Yeah, she's a lot of acting as well. So yes. She'd be all good to go. Oh, man. She'd actually be a good one. Be cool. She'd be cool. Yeah. I love Twila. Yo. We should. 
Yeah, she's great. Uh, and for the grandma, I was going to cast uh, Anna Tuisila. Anna Tuisila. Uh, what film is she on? She plays uh, The Rock's grandmother in Young Rock. Oh, yeah, she'd be good. Yeah? See, I got the nod of approval here from Ryan. Ah. She plays Leah Maivia. She's great. She looks like a Tongan auntie. Is she Tongan? No, oh, I think jokes. she's Samoan. Tuisila's Samoan. Oh, yeah, Tuisila's a Samoan. That's crazy. Yeah. She'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing some research, guys. Um, yeah, who would you cast as the Nana? I actually have no one as well. I thought you said you were going to cast the, the grandma from the... Oh, the grandma, coconut grandma. Yeah. Yes. She, she, because, you know, I've seen her face on screen so many times. I'm used to her being the grandma. Do you know the old lady on? No. It's, uh, it's Kokone. And is she the one that has, like, the living room just filled with all of these, like, collectibles? Yeah. She was on Tenesa. Yeah. I love that. I love her. We should protect her at all costs. She's, like, the Samoan Betty White. Yo. We should never. <laughs> and she's funny. And she's... Wholesome, and I she miss, understands. I like, miss my grandma now. Sorry to bother everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tenisa, grandma. Who, who would you cast? I was thinking of that. Um, she's Maori though. That lady that's like she was in Hunt for the Wilder People. You know where she's like. Is she the mum that takes in Ricky Baker? Yeah. Oh, her, I, thought, I don't know. That's a uh, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel House. Rachel House. Oh, she voices the grandma. Oh, grandma does she? Anna. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I just sort of... Oh, man. Ricky anyway. Baker. Yeah. <laughs> Is she the-, the voiceover for the grandma? Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's- that was a really good guess, yeah. by the way. She fits. Oh, she's not oh, the she's one. Not. Oh, no, she's the cop, eh? Yeah, she's the cop. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, so she's the cop. So- That's a white lady, isn't it? <laughs> 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 My bad. She's now you're gonna get cancelled. I'm gonna get cancelled. Ricky Baker. Uh, so catchy. Yo. <laughs> Thank you for your dream cast list for Lilo and Stitch and Moana live action. That no one asked for. <clears throat> Sorry for taking up half the podcast. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of gifts for the Pacific A eh, coming up. Well, I wouldn't call them gifts, but some pretty cool stuff where our cultures are involved, hopefully. Hopefully, it means we can get paid. Exactly. But in saying that, we have to go into our quote of the day. Quote of the day. So we thought we'd ask Amy what's something that keeps her going um, in life. And uh, Amy, what is the quote that keeps you going? The quote that I'm feeling at the moment is one day at a time. And I think that's because coming out of the cyclone and the floods, like that was really overwhelming and having to do studies and work as well. So I'm just like, I just need to really focus on what's happening now. Um, and so I've just been thinking about that quote a lot. And that's mm. how I get through my days. Yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you reckon, Hannah? It's a good one. It's like, it's basically how I'm surviving, really. Mm. <laughs> I don't think too far ahead and I don't think too far behind. I just think about today. And it's worked. It's like the only method that has worked to get me out of bed and like to do stuff is just to think about today. Don't think too far ahead. Don't think too far behind. Keep those things in mind, but don't always, I guess, consume yourself in those thoughts. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. What is it? That's kind of what got me through my recovery, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And also watching the Creed movies, too. There's this thing where they in the first Creed movie where they're in the world famous Rocky training montage all you hear is one punch at a time one step at a time one round at a time and i was just like okay i'm i'm crippled and sick right now but all right mm. one pill at a time one drink at a time. yeah <laughs> it's a good way to put it but it works yeah, yeah it, works. it works and i'm here i'm yeah. still not 100 percent, but we're here mm. and now nah, yeah i i vibe with that 100 percent, amy um Oh, yeah, that's us. Yeah, that's us. We'll be right back, everyone. Good morning. Good morning.
Good morning and welcome back to your Pacific Morning Show. We are here with Amy, the Samoan scientist, to talk about all the awesome things that she's doing in Pacifica spaces at the moment. How are you this morning, Amy? Yeah, I'm feeling awake. <laughs> feeling alive. <laughs> uh, let's dive straight into it. I just wanted to know a bit about, you know, your academic journey. How has that been? Because... um. Like I said in the beginning, been low-key following your journey into this, and I understand that I think it was early lockdown, huh? or mm. like during when lockdown was on and off, um, you got rejected for your PhD. Mm. And how was that for you? That mm. felt horrible because I really knew that I wanted to do my PhD. And so the whole process was really difficult because I was judged based on my mark so in order to get into a PhD program at the University of Auckland you have to have a certain mark mm. so my mark for my previous work which was my master's was a B minus and so the university said that's not good enough you need to have I think it was at least a B plus but I also had work experience, I'd worked in Samoa, I had publications where we publish our research, also community engagement through Samoan scientists, but that was not enough for the university to say that I could continue with my PhD. Hmm. They were only looking at my B- mark. And so that just felt horrible because you're hmm. judged based on a mark. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't kind of like see your whole body of work. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, mm. we're not looked at as a person. It's just like, we just look at your numbers, your percentages, and your mark. Mm. Without evaluating our connections to the communities that we're serving and stuff like that. And you've done a lot of that work for free. Like, yeah. that stuff that you're doing out of your heart. So how has that been? Mm. Um, having to kind of go through that process mm. for the PhD. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, the university said to me, they said, what you can do is that you can do another year of, was it another? I think it was another year of study. My, sorry, half a year of study. Mm. And you need to take these papers and you need to get these certain marks in these papers, which was um, B+. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Did that. And so got, well, there's a little drama in that. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go there. But um, they're like, cool, those papers are great. You can now start your PhD. Mm. But the whole process before that took, I think it was like a year, Damn. a year and a half mm. because of COVID, yeah. right. because the university couldn't communicate with me um, for reasons I don't know, just a communication breakdown. Mm. Um, but we finally got there in the end. <laughs> Mm. So you started? Yes, I started my PhD last year. So PhD is um, three years worth of research. So, mm. and this is my second year this year. Right. One more year. One, yeah, it's not long to go. Yeah. <laughs> so one more year. You, you, That's oh, crazy. Congratulations. Yeah. What a long journey. Thanks. Yeah, very long journey. You know what? Sorry, before you ask your next question, what kind of bugs me out about PhDs is that at the end of it, after you've submitted your research, your thesis, all of that, you got to do like this, is it like three hour long oral test? Yeah. Where you sit down with like your supervisor and like a bunch of like other people who have like read your stuff and they, and they quiz you on it. Yeah. And I'm like. They grill you on yeah. it. Yeah. So they will have someone who's quite nice, then someone who will just rip your work to shreds. And I think that's kind of the process as a researcher because you're always critiquing other people's right. work. You're developing yeah. your own work. And so, yeah, that's that's the ultimate test. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to do that. So, mm. yes, yeah, it's be interesting. Would that be, like, more intense than the usual, like, passing it over to them? What do you mean? Like, what is the common – sorry, how do I phrase, frame this? The process that he just talked about, um, when you sit down with your supervisors, have you talked to other PhD candidates and how they've um, um, managed it? I've heard like bits of experiences and they said, you know, we just went in knowing that we know our stuff really well. We've mm. spent three years on it. So they mm. kind of went in with that frame of mind. And when 
like examiners asked them questions that were kind of able to justify why they did certain things. So it didn't sound as scary as it yeah. could be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like if you've lived and breathed it for three plus True. years and you've like been thinking about it while you were doing mm. masters, then oh, then, you know, you should be able to stand up to the masters and the gatekeepers. <laughs> This you is know, how yeah. we're gonna do the it. The Grand Council. I'm here to join you guys. I want to be a food philosophical doctor. Is yeah. it what is it, Doctor Phys- Philosophy? philosophy? Yeah. Doctor Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, sorry, just got another question for you. Um, throughout your research, what have been the three most um life-giving experiences you've had throughout the journey for you personally um could that be when i did my bachelor's as well from the start of your academic journey yeah yeah three life-changing okay so the first one i immediately think of is um a lecturer that we had Dr. Rebecca Fuller. She's a Maori re- uh, researcher in ethnobotany. So she did a lot of work in fungi in relation mm. to Maori culture. And so for me, that was such a cool experience because I didn't know there was research out there like that, that you could relate fungi to culture, to Maori culture. And there's, you know, medicinal plants out there that are specific to our Pacifica cultures. So for me, that was life-changing because she allowed me to see a different type of research Mm. and a different way that it could help our community. And so even now, she's kind of like a mentor. And so I've shadowed her work. And so I'm really thankful for Dr. Rebecca Fuller. The second life-changing would be involving myself in a group called Tuokana. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys. You're a tokana? Yeah. Yeah, we're tokana. A science tokana? Yes, we're with um, School of Biological Sciences. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I loved um, going to a space where people looked like me and having conversations that we all understood and got. Mm. And so I'm really thankful to that group, tokana, to, that they were able to support me through the academic journey. Because mm. university is not easy. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be very lonely. So I was really thankful for that. Mm. And then my last life-changing moment was, I guess, doing um, my master's research. So I did my master's looking at taro. Mm. Um, it's, I looked at a particular disease called um, taro leaf blight. And so for me, I thought, wow, I can help Pacifica communities by understanding more about this disease so we can preserve our galo for longer so it's not going to be yes. um, affected by this disease. Mm. And so I was really thankful to have that opportunity, to have those supervisors, um, because I could see my pathway as a researcher for how we can help community and mm. look at issues that I'm interested in. Yeah, and it would be really helpful that masters um, that you did for the Samoan economy. It's like one of our main exports. Because that master's research pretty much um, jump-started my opportunity to work in Samoa mm. on that exact project. So I thought this is like a realistic, <laughs> practical way I can help yeah. Samoan um, farmers, Samoan families. Mm. Man, if I, was, if I was the owner of... Uh... What's the company that makes Samoa's favorite chip? The Taro chips? Ooh. What's the name of that company? Um, anyway, whatever that company is, yeah. I would have sponsored your study because I'm like, <laughs> true. Eh? Even, even, even though studies sponsored by corporations sometimes are a bit sus. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would have been like, guys, she's trying to save our Taro. <laughs> Without Taro, we can't make chips. Yeah. Game <laughs> over, so everyone. True. Coming chips. Oh, yeah. oh man, that's cool. Mm. Wait, but you know that uh what is it? The sorry. You, the got, you got it. You know the um the study that you did into the blight? Tire leaf blight. The tire yeah. leaf blight. Is that is that does that blight get here to New Zealand or is it exclusively in the islands? Yeah, that's a good question. So 
it's not here in New Zealand, the tire leaf blight. And so I actually had to work with this. It's fungi like it's called an umai seed. I had to work with the tire leaf blight in the labs. Yeah. And so because it's not here, I had to work in a restricted lab. Yeah. So yeah, it's in Samoa, I think. Have you seen it in Tonga? I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, it's only not all the Pacific Islands have it, so that's good. Because that's crazy, yeah. Like, yeah, because I'd, I'd assume that you'd work hard. Like, if it's not here in New Zealand, you'd be, like, quarantining and stuff or, like, deep cleaning. Yeah. So that because the taro leaf uh, during summer here, yeah. the taro leaf game is, like... My dad has a taro patch. Oh my gosh. And I got like family coming over like every second week or something, just being like, Oh, it's a uh, it's Saturday, so <laughs> Hi Uncle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank oh. you for your donation. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. No, that's that's crazy. And it's too cold here as well for the tire leaf blight. Like yeah. we have gallo at home, but we can't we can never um go the big you know, the corms, the the root itself. So we just have the tire leaves. Um, do you have the my dad has it really my dad has it yeah he uh for the past four or five years so what he does is that uh towards the end of autumn so it would be Mm -hmm. around about now my dad like he digs them extra deep right kind of we call it the foha the sun the root he digs it extra deep and he just lets it sit there for like a year Wow. And then when it's harvesting time, he pulls it out. Really? And it's, yeah. And I told you this when we were planning the the podcast. Like, fresh taro straight out of the ground is like, oh, the taro you get in the shop is cool, right? But it's been there for like, it could have been, yeah. (laughs) It's not it. Yeah. Really? But it could have been there for like a week or something easily, right? Man, straight out of the ground is like you could just have the taro on its own. No need for no need for salt, no need for coconut cream. You don't even need meat. You just eat it on its yeah, own. Yeah, you're just saying it's like something like an apple. It's sweet. It's so oh. good. So does your dad put like compost on top or just leaves the soil just, for yeah? He just leaves it. Like wow. but what he'll do is like he'll go when he notices it like kind of like going down a little bit the soil kind of like eroding a little bit Mm. he'll just go with his like his hoe and he'll like just kind of like powder i knew you were gonna laugh (laughs) (laughs) get that (laughs) i'm fired guys i'm out (laughs) context guys context um yeah and he'll just kind of like you know uh uh, like kind of grab more soil and pile it up and then so you'd walk into our house usually when taro plants die out it's usually around winter time mm. right too cold yeah you'll come to us and there's like massive leaves oh my god that's so is that like um but not allowed in my house yeah. do a lot of tongans do that i don't was know. it just your dad i'm gonna say my dad because my dad <laughs> <laughs> he's the man yeah. Man. So if you wanna, <coughs> if you if you guys wanna study tarot here in New Zealand, then five thousand dollars a lesson. Five thousand dollars, and you have to bring triple cheeseburgers for my dog, uh, just the meat and cheese, please. Theodore Bear Mullins. <laughs> Theodore Bear of Hai Kentucky Mullins. Thank you. Hi Bear. Uh, um, yeah. Sorry, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cool. I wanted to go back to what you were saying that the taro you get from the shops. It's a bit of a red flag. Oh, it's just not fresh. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It tastes different. Yeah. And I think some of them they treat with um, some sort of treatment so that they don't have any, sometimes sometimes they have nematodes in them. So just to prevent any bugs being brought into the country. Right. So, you know, it's the time that they've left Fiji or Samoa, they're then sprayed and they're shipped and then they get to the veggie store and then they sit there. Mm for longer so they're just not fresh they're not fresh is that why frozen taro is better yeah i've been buying frozen taro and i quite like Mm. that yeah yeah Yeah. but still nothing better than straight out the ground yes Mm. i i say it i don't want to get rejected on (laughs) camera say it i want to taste your dad's (laughs) (laughs) no no for real with my my dad my dad's uh next harvest i'll be like dad 
I'm gonna, can you, I'm gonna take some to work, eh? Yeah. Why does it sound like the Tower of and Life you, was And you can't <laughs> say no, eh? <laughs> Just some money for you, Dad. Go and yeah. fake up with it. I'm here to pay top dollar for that tarot because I know that it's been in the ground for a long time, so. That's Papa Tuanuku's tarot. Mm. <laughs> so here in Aotearoa. It's, you know, it's the quality. It's the quality that matters. But um, in saying that, for your PhD study that you're doing now, um, what is your ultimate goal? So I'm wanting to have more understanding around what our Samoan traditional foods are, the cultural significance behind them, and then how that relates to our genes in Samoan women. So that with that knowledge, we can kind of claim back our understanding of our foods mm. because I feel like we already had the answers from our ancestors, 1700s, 1800s, but somehow, you know, we just lost it over time. So I'm just wanting to reclaim our knowledge so that we can use that to address diabetes here in New Zealand. Mm. That'll be awesome, which is a problem. Mm. And your research will definitely contribute to that, to solving that, of course. We'll be right back. Good morning. everyone and we're back with your pacific morning show it's monday and uh my brain is broken <laughs> but we can fix that um yeah so we're here with the Samoan scientist yeah, we're, we're here with amy current phd student at the Universite Ole aukilani is that how you say it in Samoan? yep yep see man i've been hanging out with too many Samoans. <laughs> um yeah and currently your your research you're looking at how we could the the health benefits of moving towards a more, much more natural, less processed food diet. Mm. Yeah, looking at the Samoan traditional diet. Man, why is it always about Samoans, man? <laughs> I swear. You guys just had your own movie. What are you on yeah. about? What are you on about? You <laughs> Samoan movies too. Gosh. Anyway, before we get into that whole argument, <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of like a much more natural. Uh, diet that consists of much less processed food. Um, as you guys heard earlier, my dad is a bit of a green fingers. Um, yeah, and uh, and just kind of like catching up in between scenes, and I'm kind of surprised that you know all these things that are kind of normal to me mm. privilege. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. <gosh>. <laughs> He's acknowledged his privilege. I'm acknowledging my privilege. Everyone raise your right hand. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm kind of just shocked there, like, oh, bananas. Yeah, we can have bananas. I got like banana trees at home. So uh, my dad, my this is my dad's garden, guys. And before he's yeah, oh, I'm in. Um, and if my dad, my dad's not even going to watch this, but my dad's probably like, wow, he's so proud of my garden, but he doesn't help on my garden. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got like banana trees. Wow. Yeah, so we, it's like a full on plantation, especially during summer. Right. Right. Um, so we have the luxury mm -hmm. of... Uh, <laughs> We have we have the luxury of, of like sometimes having like real like fresh out the ground papatuanuku foods. Mm. <laughs> you know, like taro, kumala, corn. What's something else that we have at our house? Ryan, horse. <laughs> oh, we don't have horse. Pemu was too small for horses. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would, you'd have your. But if I would, I would. Um, you know. Yeah. And you know, we're kind of very fortunate that we can have like that sort of stuff. Like, what would be like kind of the real staple foods that you would say 
make up the traditional Samoan diet. So I've been looking at literature, so published work that has talked about Samoan traditional foods. So a lot of the work that I've looked at was during the missionary time, so that's mm. the 1800s. Mm. Unfortunately, that's written by missionaries, so non-Samoan people. So I'm not really sure if it's accurate. Mm. But what I found is that a, the most common foods that were mentioned were galo, breadfruit, yam, coconut, um, banana, and fish. So that oh. was the main part of the diet. Have a lot of carbs and then your protein with the fish. So mm -hmm. it's like a, I think it's a pescatarian diet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's super interesting because we had this written work by the missionaries. But for me, I feel like our Samoan voices are not heard in that work. So mm. I'm wanting to talk to Samoan women about their experiences with Samoan traditional foods, their memories with Samoan traditional foods, um, to kind of fill in the gaps that yeah. is not written about. Mm. So like, so like, red meat and stuff like that, mm. all introduced by missionaries. I think so because yeah? what I read is that meat like boa pig mm. and chicken were only eaten at ceremonies mm. and. The, like, for instance, the boa was divided into certain sections and was given to certain chiefs according yeah. to their ranking. Right. Yeah. But that was not eaten all the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's like ceremonial foods. Yes. So there was like a hierarchy of foods. Yeah. And yes. the, the meats. Sorry, this. No, I'm not going to ask that question. Ask. Oh, yeah. Ask. Don't be afraid. There's no I'm afraid. Thing. There's no such thing as a stupid question, Hannah. Okay, they I don't laugh at me when I say this. Um, you know that hierarchy of meats? Is there any research detailing on how that hierarchy was formed? No. And so that's the knowledge that I want to know. Because mm. I feel like that's so important for us. Like when I think of myself, New Zealand born Samoan, living away from the motherland, like I don't know any mm. of that knowledge. Yeah. And I want to know because that's my culture and that's how I feel closer. To, to my heritage. Yeah. Mm. So that's why I'm talk, wanting to speak to particularly our Samoan women who are the, the elders. Yeah. Because mm. I think they have that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, nah, that's, some, yeah, like that's real important because I think I remember one time we were doing like cooking for a church feed. Mm. And I remember he just hearing my mom talking about, no, we need talo or kumala mm. or yams, you know, or ufi. Mm. And I go to my mum, we've got like a whole sack of manioca in the fridge. <laughs> like, why did you cook that? And she just sat there and just looked at me. Like, she was just like, are you done? Like, are you dumb? Mm. You know, and it, it didn't dawn on me until later. I was like, wait, is that person the food? You know, like. Manioca? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Apparently in Tongan it is. Interesting. Like, that's like the hierarchy of, um, of, what are they called? Like things from out the ground, plant foods, vegetables, vegetables yeah. like root vegetables. Right at the bottom is money. Okay, mm. you wouldn't. Wow. Yeah, you'd see that at like funerals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a funeral. Mm. You can't tell people when to die. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, so it's like whatever's the family yeah, got, that's but at like big feasts and banquets, if you bring badioke, you're like, right, you're like kind of locked down, side eye, yeah. bombastic side eye. Like you're, like you're putting towards like an offering of like the best foods, and you want manioke, right? Yuck, because mm. that's the thing for us. You know, it's not just a nutritional value for our Pacific foods; it has its significance, and I feel like a lot of the clinicians and the doctors, nutritionists don't have that information to help with their work. Cause yeah. I feel like we already know that, but unfortunately some systems need the research behind it, the yeah. Western stuff behind it. So that's where I'm coming in to provide that knowledge so that they can trickle down to hospitals, nutritionists to help our people. Amazing. Yeah. That's so good. And it must be so hard trying to like find all this info and our cultures like based on like sharing history <laughs> through oratory. So mm. That's a lot of hard work and well done. 
Well Thanks. done on all of that. That's that's really awesome. <laughs> and I also understand mm. a lot of that traditional knowledge is kept within families. Yeah. So I also want to be respectful. Like it's only open to people who uh, feel comfortable sharing this knowledge because it will be passed down for next generation, even my generation. Like I know some people don't know a lot about our foods. So yeah, it's, it's really anyone who's Samoan woman and feels comfortable to talk about the experiences with Samoan foods who I'm really wanting to talk to. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah. That's awesome. And you know the um sorry, you know how now we have what looks like when we have our sorry, let me start this again. When we talk about Samoan food, it's a very it's very different to what you're going into your um into your research, like the traditional it's like a pescatarian diet. Mm. Nowadays it's like sapasuis, our you know, our food, our galemoa. Mm. It's known. Well, what do you think about that? Like there's people fighting saying that's not Samoan food, that's Samoan food. What's your general thought about that discourse? Yeah, I feel mm. like the foods that we have today, like um sapasui, uh, for us that those are Samoan foods and when I think of you know when we have great-grandchildren that will be considered Samoan traditional foods so it really depends on who you ask but for my research I'm wanting to go far back in time as right, I can right. and ask the living um, eldest people what are Samoan traditional foods to mm. them mm. yeah because yeah, I remember, I remember thinking about this. I was like, oh, no, sorry, I'm going to take a step back. Because I remember back in high school, someone was like, oh, yeah, we had a mean island food. And I was like, oh, yeah, what did you guys have? And they were like, oh, yeah, we had chop suey. And I was like, that's Chinese food. Yeah. But, but the older I got, the more I'd realized, no, wait a minute. There were, you know, there were Chinese indentured servants that lived mm -hmm in Samoa, they would obviously have a huge influence yeah. on the cuisine in Samoa, you know, um, much like in Fiji, mm. you know, there's like the influence that Indians had on Fijian cuisine. Tongans, uh, we just stole everything from everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were borrowing the maulu ulu still from you guys and the taoluga and like the kaila were like, hey, uwea. <laughs> That's all good. We'll take that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. And I just remember sitting there thinking, I was like, I don't think we had enough time for, you know, Pacific cuisine, not only like within our islands to kind of differentiate from one another, because it's all still really similar. Like mm. Tongan food, Samoan food, it's all real similar, just minor differences. Mm. We didn't have enough time to develop like separately from one another. But also kind of we didn't have enough time for us to kind of fully differentiate from outside influences. Mm. Kind of like how, um, you know, how pasta ended up in Italy is not actually Italian. It's Chinese. Yeah. You know, they were noodles. like, yeah, they were like, oh, noodles. Oh, mm. Let's yeah. make it Italian. Spaghetti. You know, spaghetti. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. And I yeah. And I was just like, well. I yeah, even the Caribbeans do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caribbeans mm -hmm. do it. Um, yeah, I mean, this kind of all dawned on me when I was doing um, oh, when, I was, <laughs> when I was doing the thing for BuzzFeed on Tongan oh, food, right? Right, and I was like, man, you can't expect us to turn around and be like, oh, I want to put in some garlic. I'm gonna put in mm. some of this. I'm putting some of that. For usually for us, it was just like, oh, chili. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't had time to fully develop the cuisine and you know just hearing that you're willing to go back to to the roots of it i'm just saying it's pretty good yeah you should be sponsored by various corporations various <laughs> even, A though lot of them. even though it'll be like everyone will be like so you paid for the study <laughs> <laughs> oh. but i was thinking when you're talking like um different influences like in Samoa you have the German influence yep. so I'm assuming like all the bakery like kikapoa that yeah. type of mm -hmm. stuff and definitely Chinese influence the mm. stuff. oh well actually what is kikapoa is it Chinese or I think it's, it's Chinese, Chinese influence oh, okay. yeah well then mm. I know the Germans they established a lot of the big cocoa plantations in the copra yeah so there's always different 
lifestyles, different foods that have been influenced in Samoa. Yeah. And that has influenced our diet and the way of living as well. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what is it? It's It's gotten to the point now where stuff like spam, mm. like in Hawaii or like corned beef to us, is just like, oh, that's island food now. Yeah. Mm. A, a lot of white people will just look and be like, Corn beef? <laughs> Who are we, Polynesians? I know. <laughs> Hard out. You know, it's just yeah, it's it's crazy, but yeah, you know, if we even if we just think about taro and mm. kumara, even those aren't natively Pacific, isn't it? Like taro's from Asia. Yeah, yeah, you raise a really good point because um, I found in the research as well that a lot of the foods that we eat in the Pacific Islands were introduced. Yes. So they were called um, canoe plants. Mm. So the original Polynesians that went out in search of lands, they bought those foods with us. So the galo, the breadfruit, the fa'i, the banana, Mm. the yams, um, because they can only be replanted by human intervention. So someone needs to physically get a root of the galo, we call yep. it tiapula in Samoa, dig a hole and put the tiapula in the ground and wait for it to grow. Mm. It's not like these foods can be dispersed by um, birds. Right. Mm. So, yeah, a lot of the foods in the Pacific Islands were introduced by our original ancestors. And for me, that's like, that gives our food more meaning. Yes. They were coming to an island for a purpose. They wanted to create a village a family so they took foods with them that reminded them of home and they went to an unknown land and hoped that they would grow and so i just love that connection for us as specific peoples that's yeah. beautiful yeah. and boy did they grow yeah. <laughs> yeah. have you seen some of these yams man in my leg man oh my gosh oh, thank you thank you thank you so much amy for coming on the pacific morning show that is your morning show uh, thank you amy for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us on this um show mm-hmm. i just wanted to give you the opportunity final words to our audience and viewers if you could just to that camera there that yeah. would be awesome well cool yeah. So if you're a Samoan woman aged 18 to 90 years old, I'd love to have you participate in my research to explore the Samoan traditional diet to see if we can help reduce type 2 diabetes in Samoan women here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm.